Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host this week, Rebecca Black, with Miles in the Morning from 98.7 K-Love. Thank you so much for joining me. Later on this hour, we're going to catch up with Darla Shirley, the executive director of Youth World. And if you don't know a whole lot about Youth World, they're an organization that inspires hope and helps relieve economic burdens in South Dallas so that kids in that area can live in a stronger, healthier community. But first, we're going to talk to Kevin Meyer, president and chief executive officer of Life Gift. Life Gift is an organization that offers hope to thousands of people in Texas and really all around the world who need life-saving organ transplants, not to mention countless others who need life-saving tissue transplants. Good morning, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, Rebecca. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be with you, and I appreciate uh, on behalf of Life Gift uh, the opportunity to speak with you today. So tell us all about your organization. Oh, my goodness. I hope you have a, a couple hours, but, uh, <laughs> but I could talk about this forever. But uh, so Life Gift is the um, nonprofit uh, officially known as Organ Procurement Organization that is based in Houston, Texas, that serves the Houston uh, area, the Fort Worth area, uh, as well as West Texas, including Lubbock and Amarillo. And so what we do is coordinate uh, organ and tissue donation and transplantation, um, you know, in those particular areas. Mm -hmm. And we support the transplant centers that are in the Houston area, the Fort Worth area. And then, of course, you know, any transplant center in the country where a potential recipient may be um, who may need an organ from the local donors that we deal with. So we spend a lot of our time um, educating the public, as in this particular show, which we really appreciate this opportunity for, uh, the hospitals, um, working closely with hospitals, working closely with transplant centers, and really most importantly, working with um, families of uh, potential organ donors and tissue donors to help start that process and honor the gift of life from very generous donors and help coordinate all the logistics of getting those organs transplanted wherever they're going to end up going. I would imagine that this is not an easy subject to talk about. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, it is, it is a difficult subject, sort 
on, you know, on one hand, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, the reality of the situation is, is that, you know, bad things happen to people sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that involves talking about death and dying. And that makes the, the subject difficult for, for many. Um, and at the same time, it is, a, a, you know, there's a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful uh, example of generosity in this. So there's so much goodness that can come from, you know, such bad situations. And, you know, I think most of the, you know, your listeners probably can envision, you know, or, or maybe have had personal experiences where, you know, something bad has happened to someone and they've died, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, tragic, um, you know, the grief associated with all that. Um, and then through the work of LifeGift and our partners and the organ procurement organizations across Texas, for example, um, we are able to be in this, you know, incredibly privileged position of working with families who have lost a loved one. And we can either inform them about their loved one, you know, if they're registered as a donor or if they're not registered as a donor, we can seek authorization from the family and support them through this dying process um, and have so much good come from badness. Um, So, you know, in the difficult days that uh, we have across the country, you know, Life Gift um, stands for offering hope. That's our mission. We offer hope. And so in those terrible situations, we have this fortunate um, opportunity to bring, you know, incredible goodness and, and give people second chances at life um, from, you know, bad situations. Uh, I, you brought up um, partnerships and you guys are actually doing something kind of interesting. You've teamed up with NASCAR and Texas Motor Speedway and you're going to be sponsoring a car this year? Yeah, yeah. We've been uh, through Donate Life Texas, which is... Um, a, a group, it's an organization, another nonprofit that is made up of and supports the three organ procurement organizations in Texas. And through education and through advocating for the Donate Life Texas registry, so that's where we all register to be organ donors and so forth. Um, so we are supporting the, the Joey Gase um, group and through the Donate Life Texas uh, processes, bringing attention to the need for organ donation and transplantation. And so it's been a wonderful way through the, through the uh, motorsports and through the race car sponsorship and so forth to bring attention to the need for organ donors and to honor um, organ donors that have gone, gone before us. And so the driver of this particular vehicle, Joey Gase, um, his mission and advocating for organ donation and transplantation is in honor of his mom, who was an organ donor some years ago. Oh, wow. And um, it's a beautiful story. I mean, if you look at pictures of his, of his car, you know, he has handprints of different donors, oh. donor family members and recipients. It's just, it's just so striking. Wow. I, I, so I had no idea that his mom was an organ donor. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So he's had the personal experience and, um, you know, that has been his call to action, if you will. His personal mm-hmm. mission is mm-hmm. that while racing and, you know, wanting to win and get get across that finish line with the checkered flag and all the excitement of that, at the same time, the mission of, of you know, being in front of so many people 
um, whether it's virtually these days or in, in actual races, you know, the thousands, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of people to get that, get that message out, out front and remind people that they have an opportunity to save lives really by simply uh, registering to be uh, an organ and tissue donor. And that's such a, it takes maybe a couple minutes and then you're signed up to save someone's life, um, you know, when, when, you know, when we die. So. I'm glad you brought that up because what exactly is involved when you sign up to be an organ or tissue donor? Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that, that um, has, you know, so much potential impact. Um, you know, real impact and saving lives. And so you would think that it would be complicated, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to do this. So the first thing is, is to think about it, um, obviously. The second thing is, is to take action. And, and um, in Texas, like many other states, uh, you know, all states, you generally most people register to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor at their uh, DPS or in some states, DMVs, whatever it's called. And so when you get your driver's license or you get your ID card or in Texas now, I think with the hunting license too, when you do that, there is a um, requirement that, that the question is, is asked or the opportunity is provided to register yourself as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Mm-hmm. So it's the sort of check the box. Right. It takes a couple minutes and then, then you go, your information goes into a secure database that's maintained um, and only organ procurement individuals who are approved have access to that information. And so when a person dies or if a person is um, a potential donor, we check that registry and we see if a person is, an, is a potential donor or a donor, actual, an actual donor, and then we would inform the family and then it allows the process to, to move from there. So it's very interesting that in in Texas, now we have over 55% of the population is registered. So that's almost 13 million people in wow. Texas who are registered. Yeah. So Texans are very generous and Texans donate to save lives. And we're bringing in per year somewhere around a million people per year into the registry. So it is phenomenal. And um, it's a great thing to do. And if you don't have time to go to the DPS, or with the COVID restrictions and mm-hmm. so forth, you can't you can't get that done. You can just go online, and it just takes three or four minutes to do it on the website, and it's just easy. DonateLifeTexas.org. That's DonateLifeTexas.org, and um, you put in your information. It's securely um, held, and um, then you're a, you're a donor. Wow, I would imagine that you probably have a personal experience with organ donation, and that's probably why you got involved with LifeGift.org. Would you? I mean, would you mind sharing? Oh no, I'm I'm happy to share. So, you know, actually, um, the only the only um, personal family experience that I've had mm-hmm. with organ donation actually was uh, one of my aunts, and most people don't know this, so. This is breaking news from me, but one of my um, one of my aunts back in the late '60s, early early on when heart transplantation was just getting started in California, she died from a aneurysm, mm-hmm. and so she was a kidney and heart donor, and the, the both kidneys were um, transplanted in California out at Stanford, and her heart was transplanted too, and the recipient 
that was a long time ago. Just, you know, think about that. That recipient lived for some weeks and then, um, you know, didn't survive after that. But that impacted our family. And then I got into this work, um, this calling in 1990 in Virginia and, and previous to my work in, in, you know, in this donation and transplantation field, mm-hmm. I was a paramedic firefighter. Um, and so I saw situations where some patients, some um, accident victims and so forth had become donors. And so I had heard about, you know, the outcome of some donation situations. And so I became interested in this field. And so I started in 1990 as a coordinator and I've worked my way through the field. I've been working in it for now. That's a long time. And uh, it's been an incredible, um, again, privilege to be able to be part of um, helping so many people. Um, So that's just a quick rundown for me. Um, so I asked, I said earlier that your job must be pretty difficult because you are dealing with death a lot of the times, but I would also imagine that there's some pretty great moments. Like, do you guys ever have any involvement with teaming up, um, you know, a family member with where the organs ended up being donated to? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, we're doing this more and more across our country. So, the, our OPO colleagues um, are doing, you know, doing more of these meet and greets, if you will. So mm-hmm. one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, after we have a donor donor situation or a donor case, the organ procurement organization like Life Gift or our friends in Dallas Southwest Transplant Alliance or our friends in San Antonio, which are, which is um, the group called TOSA there, uh, or the Texas Organ Sharing Alliance. Um, we stay with the with the donor families. We provide support for for most most places for a minimum of eighteen months, some longer. And if families want to stay supported for longer than that, you know, we're happy you know happy to do that. So we we maintain those relationships and we provide grief support. And as we can, we provide updates to our donor families about how the recipients are doing. Um, in a confidential manner, so we don't give out, you know, the protected health information or anything mm-hmm. like that. But from time to time, and it's happening more frequently, we will have a donor family talk to us and say, hey, you know, we'd be willing to meet the recipients. In fact, we'd love to do that. And so then we say, okay. And so then we reach out to the recipients that, you know, we know who they are and where they are. And, you know, we, generally this starts out with a letter sharing um, uh, sort of experience. And then, you know, through the different steps we go through, then we're able to set up an opportunity for people to meet. And those things, those events are probably the most powerful things I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and here's, here's a great example. So, um, um, maybe your listeners, maybe you've seen pictures of two people, standing next to each other and one person has a stethoscope, mm-hmm. um, yes. you know, in their ears. I'm getting goosebumps steth- already. <laughs> What's that? I said, I'm getting goosebumps of you telling the story already. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a person listening um, closely and they've got the stethoscope on the chest of the other person. And it can be, the thing is, it can be from all walks of life. Um, and you look at that picture and then you look down to the caption and you're like, oh my gosh, Mm-hmm. And we see this. And so it's the family member of the loved one who became a donor. And then they're listening to the chest of the recipient who 
you know, is alive because of the donated heart from their loved one. And it is unbelievable. Yeah, I've unbelievable. seen, yeah, I, I, like YouTube alone has videos of, you know, uh, a woman being walked down the aisle by her father's heart who is now transplanted into somebody else, or you see them put it yeah. in teddy bears. And it's it's just unbelievably amazing what can happen from organ donation. Yeah, it's so powerful, you know, and it, it is it is really, you know, the thing that has always amazed me, right, every single moment of working in this field, and, and it's not even work, it's just, you know, all of us who do this, you know, it's a calling and it doesn't feel like work, but, you know, all the technology and all the smart people that are involved in this and all the medications and all the science and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? None of that happens without the most simple act of human generosity. And it's just the word yes. Mm-hmm. So none of this happens without someone saying to a total stranger, yes, I want to be a donor or yes, my loved one wanted to be a donor. And we want you to do everything you can to help as many people as possible from this tragic situation. It, it just all starts with a yes. It's well, just incredible. I, and that's, it, it's, it, that's so easy to just say yes. And you help tons of people. And how many, like if someone does die, I'm just curious, how many people could they potentially be saving the life of? Oh, it's amazing. You know, it, it's amazing. The, um, the impact of the human body and, and how amazing it is through, you know, through transplantation. So organ donation is typically, you know, heart, liver, kidneys, lungs, pancreas, and sometimes the, the, you know, small bowel. So it all depends on the clinical details of, of the, the donor. But so eight patients with organ transplant, mm-hmm. and then you have tissue donation. So that's like, if the heart can't be used for whole heart transplant, the heart valves can be used for valve replacement. Then you have skin for burn victims. Wow. You have bone, you have tendons and ligaments, nerves now, corneas, of course. So each donor who donates tissue in addition to organs, we're talking probably um, 75 to 100 people who, who could receive those wow. transplants, organs plus the other. So, so in trauma surgery and orthopedic surgery, cardiovascular surgery, it's just amazing. So I think everybody remembers when the, there were those terrible volcanoes, that volcanic eruption in that island off the coast of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Do you remember hearing about that in the mm-hmm. news, right? All the, the burn victims? Yeah. So LifeGift was one of the groups that sent donated and, and transplantable skin to Australia. Wow. Um, and New Zealand for, for skin transplant. So some people may not know this, but tissue donation is life-saving. Mm-hmm. So patients who have been burned need skin transplants to help cover those burns and allow those people to, you know, those victims to heal. Um, so it's just incredible. So our organization, Life Gift, we have about 325 people who do this work from out on the front lines to flying in, you know, planes with transplant teams to go retrieve organs in different places anywhere in the country to our accounting staff to our, you know, our, our you know, all of our staff, 325 people, we actually impact per year somewhere around 75 to 80,000 patients per year. 
Wow. Because of this, because of this work. Yeah. It's amazing. Man, I yeah, yeah, that's unbelievable. And I would imagine it's not just about organ donation. You probably need other kinds of donations as well uh, to keep your operation. I'm just, I, what other kinds of donations do you guys accept? Well, we do have, you know, we, we, um, we're a nonprofit, so mm-hmm. we're a 501c3 organ procurement organization. That's our official title, and we're designated and certified by Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services and so forth. So we do have we do have some family members and some individuals, you know, make um, uh, donations to LifeGift, and we have information on our website, uh, www.lifegift.org, um, and people can make you know contributions that way to support our work and our mission. We don't have a foundation, um, and we don't actively you know technically seek financial contributions, but, you know, many people do want to make a donation in honor of their loved ones or in honor of someone else who's been transplanted. So we we appreciate that greatly. Uh, Do you ever get people who have have benefited from your organization that maybe come back and want to work for you or um, just get involved somehow? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. So we, so when I say we have 325 employees at LifeGift, we also have about 350 and sometimes more mm-hmm. what we call ambassadors of hope, so volunteers wow. who are just absolutely essential to our success. And so many of our ambassadors are, are transplant recipients or donor family members or individuals who in some way have been touched by donation and transplant. And they want to give back. So we have a program. It's also on our website at, at lifegift.org, um, Ambassadors of Hope. And so we, you know, people sign up and we provide a basic training program. And then we do these outreach programs, um, you know, pre-COVID, we would do them in person. And mm-hmm. so we go to schools, we go to churches. Um, we've done amazing programs with, you know, huge workplaces um, where we provide a, a, a basic, you know, overview and we encourage people to think about donation and register. And typically, we will have um, a, a recipient and a donor family member go and, you know, talk to different groups. And so these educational programs and these outreach programs like that are the primary work of the Ambassadors of Hope. And um, it's massively impactful. Now, since we're in the COVID pandemic situation, what we've done is we've, we've kind of, you know, we've pivoted a little bit. And so we do that virtually. And uh, it's been really interesting to use this new, you know, use the technology to be able to do this over, you know, the typical Zoom or other Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, video conferencing platform. So we've not stopped. Um, You know, there's so many people who are waiting. There's 110,000 people waiting in the United States for an organ transplant. There's about 10 to 11,000 people waiting at any one moment in Texas for organ transplants. So, you know, we're not letting COVID get in the way of the critical work that we need to do. So um, we're, we're working with our ambassadors of hope through virtual platforms to continue that outreach. I'm, I, I'm glad that you mentioned COVID and this might be a weird question, but it's one that I am curious about. Like if a patient who is an o- organ donor had COVID, are they still able to donate their organs? 
Boy, that's a great question. Okay, so if uh, if a patient has active COVID mm-hmm. disease or an active COVID infection, right now, from everything that we know right now, that individual would not be able to be an organ donor or a tissue donor. So they would be what we call deferred. Okay. But we do know that if a person had COVID infection in the past. So, you know, we've been in this, we've been in this mass long enough now. So, you know, we all know someone who's gotten sick and they've Mm -hmm. recovered, right? Yes. So if a person had COVID infection in the past, then recovered and is, and something, you know, bad happens and they end up being a potential donor, Mm -hmm. as long as that infection has been resolved and we know that, then that person could still be a donor. Okay. Now it's very in, which, and that's a great question. So a lot of people are wondering about that. But it's really interesting now. So we all have talked a little bit here about lung transplantation, right? Mm-hmm. So what we are starting to see is some individuals who have had COVID infection. You know, the COVID infection attacks the lung, right? And some of the individuals who have had COVID, they're resolving the COVID disease but their lungs have been left scarred. So mm-hmm. it's pulmonary fibrosis and, and uh, damage scarred and so forth. The only treatment for that individual, again, they don't have COVID anymore. Everything else is working fine in their body, but the lungs are trashed. And so we are starting to see now donated lungs being used to transplant patients who had COVID disease and their lungs have been destroyed and they, they need a new set of lungs. So that's happened in Texas probably four or five times now, and it's happening across the country. Maybe it's been a dozen or two dozen times, but it's really going to be something we're going to see more of in the next year or so. I'm blown away because, first of all, the human body is just amazing, and the fact that these organ donations are helping people, like, it's in real time almost, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rebecca, right now, you know, right now, at this very moment, mm-hmm. um, in this, on this day, in the United States of America, across the whole network of the United States, we will transplant somewhere around 22 to 25 patients today. Wow. Excuse me. Sorry, let me make sure I clarify that. Okay. Unfortunately, around 20 to 22 patients will die waiting. Mm-hmm. We will have transplanted somewhere around 85 patients today. So it's happening real time right now. Mm-hmm. There's a phone call somewhere going, hey, we've got a match. Um, there's, there are planes flying right now going somewhere to, to retrieve organs or bring organs in for a patient or we're in the hospitals right now, um, you know, working with the family somewhere. So it's real time, twenty four seven, three sixty five. So it's it's a, you know, our work is all about action, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about activity. It's all about you know, uh, lots of energy, lots of goodness. You know, again, I always talk about you know this goodness coming from such bad situations, and you know, our whole field from start to finish is all about offering hope. 
it is just unbelievable what you do. Again, I'm talking with Kevin Meyer, president and CEO of Life Gift. You can check them out online at lifegift.org. And before I let you go, we still have a few minutes left. And I'm just wondering what else what else do we need to touch on to get people involved and b- get people to become organ donators? Well, you know, it's it's um and, and thanks for that opportunity um to talk about this. You know, it's such an important opportunity in healthcare and in society and in culture, right? So mm-hmm. the waiting list I talked about before, you know, the 110,000 people who are waiting, most of, most of those people on that list are waiting for kidneys. So about, you know, 70, 80,000, 80,000, I think, maybe more are, are kidney. And then we have, you know, of course, the other organs. Mm-hmm. That waiting list is solvable, right? So mm-hmm. the number of people who die in the United States you know, unfortunately, um, many of them are potential organ donors. And, you know, the people who are registered, that's wonderful. And so those individuals have already given their permission to be donors, right? Right. But then there's another group who haven't registered, and maybe they've thought about it, but they haven't registered. Maybe they've had a conversation with their families and that sort of thing. And then there's another group that's never said anything about it. And so the question the opportunity is raised with those family members to say, hey, we're so sorry about the loss of your your loved one. You have an opportunity to do some good, and we'd like for you to consider, and we hope that you're going to help other people through donating, you know, so-and-so's organs. You know, in those situations, only about two-thirds of the time do people say yes, Mm -hmm. even though survey after survey after survey says somewhere around 90 to 95% of people would you know, support donation and are aware of it, right? Right. So the opportunity is huge. If more people would just say yes, God, we would save so many more people. Um, and, the, you know, right now, like I was saying, you know, the clock is ticking. Mm-hmm. Somebody's waiting. Somebody's family member probably on your show listening or your group of listeners knows someone who's waiting and they're just waiting for the offer. And so... We talk to families, and sometimes they say yes, and we do everything we can to take good care of them with the hospitals to help them feel comfortable to say yes, but sometimes they say no. And we think the reasons that families say no, number one, you know, there's, there's sometimes lack of trust in the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Number two, there's, there's fear of, you know, how will my loved one's body look and will my loved one's body be treated with respect during the recovery process, right? So we do full reconstruction so you can still have an open casket funeral. Um, And so there are those myths and things that people have concerns about. So, you know, all religions support donation. I'm so glad you said that because I was just about Mm -hmm. to ask if there's ever, if you ever have like a religious reason why somebody can't donate organs and that, I don't know, is there a way to tell them that, no, it is okay, yeah, I mean, all, all religions and, you know, all, all major religions, all religions support donation. In fact, it's in many of the religions, it's there are, you know, clear statements that it's one of the, the most um, noble acts mm-hmm. of someone's life is to, is in the process of, you know, of dying to be able to save someone else's life. I mean, it's universal. Yeah. You know, across, across all the religions and so forth. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. So the thing is, Think about donation, and if you want to do it, 
register. That's the best way to do it. And it, it, that helps your family because, you know, 99.9% of the time, if a person is registered, the f- family members are going to support that. And occasionally we will have some resistance to that. But if we just have more time with the family, mm-hmm. then we will be able to, you know, proceed. And, you know, the individual's wish is what we follow. So um, if you're registered, you will be a donor if you are medically suitable. You know, and the other thing, Rebecca, I wanted to mention, too, so it's really important for people to go ahead and register and don't worry about your age. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about your medical history. Let's say a person has diabetes, right? Yeah. Or they have high blood pressure. It doesn't matter. Go ahead and register because whenever we have a potential donor situation, we're very thorough to make sure that the donated organs and or tissues are suitable medically. And if they're not, then we would say, you know, we would be able to tell the family, I'm sorry, you can't, you know, it looks like we're not going to be able to do this, like with metastatic cancer and things like that. But, but even age things, for example, so we've worked with individuals who have been in their 80s. In some places, our oldest donor ever, I think, was 93 years old. Wow. Right? And so it's not age because we all know people who are maybe 80, but they look like they're 60. Yes. Right? Right? Yeah. So don't let age be a factor in you not wanting to register. Just register and leave the details to us and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to talk to you and not to... I don't, not to make it about me or anything. I am a donor. I'm a big believer. I have been since I was able to, uh, since I turned 16 years old, that was like the first thing that wow. I did. And I, obviously you probably are one too. And if you don't know if you're a donor, it's the little heart that's on your driver's license, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, that, you raised a really great, great point. And Rebecca, thank you for being a donor. And yes, of course I am. Um, the heart thing being printed on your driver's license mm-hmm. is not always you know, different, different, there are different stages of when driver's licenses were done and when hearts are printed on there. Right. If you have a heart, you're a donor. But if you don't have a heart on your driver's license, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're oh. not a donor. So the best way to be able to tell this is go to DonateLifeTexas.org, and you can put your information in there and see if you're registered or not, if you have any concerns. Um, because what we do is we don't necessarily go based on the driver's license, that's just kind of a recognition thing. We actually check that registry because it has got confirmed secure information in there that comes from the DPS. Oh, well, perfect. That, thank you for sharing that information. That's something that sure. probably everyone needs to know. And Kevin, I won't keep you too much longer. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Lifegift.org. Check it out. Kevin, thank you so much. Rebecca, thank you. I've really enjoyed it and, and great questions. And, you know, um, Thanks, everyone, for listening, and and we really appreciate your interest and support. Stay safe. All right, you you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So one more time, that is lifegift.org. Joining us now is Darla Shirley, the executive director of Youth World. How are you, Darla? Oh, Rebecca, I'm doing fine. It's good to talk with you. Great to hear your voice. Welcome back. Thank you. By the way, youthworld.org, that is their website. You can go check it out, find out everything that you need to know. But Darla, tell us a little bit about your organization. Well, Rebecca, I I say youth worlds like streetlights that illuminate a child's pathway in a dark time. Oh. And boy, can you say this has been a dark time. 
Um, we believe every child has a God-given place in this world. Mm-hmm. We just know they do, and we want to help them find it. And for over 22 years, Youth World's been impacting our youth, inspiring hope for their future, relieving their economic burdens. Um, while, you know, we're in a Youth World sits in a food desert area, in a low-income uh, family area. Um, so we've just been working and, and seeing impact come our way and for the community. Uh, so I think the last time we spoke, it was pre COVID. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so I'm curious, I, cause I think that's the number one question on every mind, everybody's mind right now is how has COVID affected you guys? Oh, wow. Rebecca. Um, you know, having to think outside the box, and I guess everybody mm-hmm. has, we have um, been become so um, efficient at doing drive-throughs. Uh, but oh my goodness, the needs are, are have been astronomical. So you certainly couldn't uh, close up or withhold when they need you more. So we just had to think, okay, how are we meeting these needs of these hungry children? How are we getting food to them? How are we meeting all the other needs and still keeping everybody safe, still Mm -hmm. keeping our children and our families safe? And so, yeah, just uh, when COVID first started uh, and the kids were out of school, we began doing our weekly drive-throughs. And, Rebecca, we had a 1,000 kids each week come to get groceries wow. through the drive-through. Uh, it's just been incredible. And, and we've, had, we've had to continue that. We've always given new school shoes, hundreds of kids new school shoes. And whether they were going to school or, uh, or at home, whatever that looked like, we knew that they still needed to know their education was important to me, to mm-hmm. you, to everybody. And so we did it drive-through. We got their their shoes that they were needing, and we had them drive-through and gave them their shoes through a drive-through. I never thought we'd we'd need to do that way, mm-hmm. uh, but it worked the same way. Backpacks and things. Uh, Rebecca, we had hundreds of kids in needs, and we just said, okay, drive through. We're going to meet this need. Uh, and we were able to do that, um, you know, thank goodness. So, uh, yeah, it has looked different. We even, Rebecca, can you believe we did our carnival every year for over 22 years? We've had a free uh, family kids carnival on Halloween night, uh-huh. keeping them, bringing them in and keeping them safe. Right. Well, this year, it didn't make sense to try to pile them all in our, you know, in the gym all together with COVID still going on. Mm-hmm. So we even did the carnival drive through. Oh, Can my you gosh. Look at y'all. Um, we had, um, well, we, well, we were only open for a couple of hours, you know, before, because we wanted to do it before it got dark. Mm-hmm. And we had um, uh, over, well over 600 kids coming through in their little costumes in their car, playing games out the window, getting candy. <laughs> uh, but Rebecca, it worked. Uh, the kids had a, pl- the families had a place to go. Uh, they were safe. They were still able to celebrate and have a great time. Um, so, yeah, COVID, you'd have to say, boy, has this messed up things, but it hasn't stopped our outreach and it hasn't stopped us from loving the families, our kids, 
and helping to meet their economic needs. Oh, I am so happy to hear that. You at least got to have a little bit of normalcy, even if it was a drive-through. It yeah. was still kind of normal. <laughs> it was new and they loved it. Yeah, oh, that's great. <laughs> hey, maybe if it, if, if it turned out so well this year, you guys might actually do it again next year. Right. We might have to give out gas cards. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, since COVID and all of that, I'm curious, have you guys seen an influx of people that have needed more help now because oh. of, because, you know, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah, we had uh, so many of our parents that, yeah, did lose their jobs. Um, and and it's just brought a, a extra burden on mm. that, you know, we, along with others, but we just had to rally and and help her leave and you know what rebecca it it just uh went on to the school year even when things were starting to open up mm-hmm. well many of our kids are virtual mm-hmm. so a lot of it the parents couldn't go back to work because the kids were not able you know they couldn't send their kids to school so right. uh, some of them got you know i have a mom that uh got so far behind um, and it was just one of the hundreds of cases, but, you know, she called and, and needed help. She got so far behind just because she had a job, but she wasn't able to go back to work until she could secure something. She has five kids, single mother, mm. five kids in an apartment and just needed extra help um, besides groceries. Uh, and then it's also, Rebecca, affected um Kids and and parents with the being the teacher, if you will, at mm-hmm. home. Uh, I've got a, a mom that um, she works the graveyard shift. She comes home, uh, you know, in the morning just in time to help her kids get on their laptops and get in their, you know, Zoom classes or what have you and try to help them. Gosh. And she's just at her, besides the economic burdens, just at her tired with mm-hmm. in, if you will. Yeah. And she came up to Youth World just, you know, spilling out her little heart and, and saying, I had a daughter before COVID was an A student, and now she's with virtual, and her trying to help her was with, you know, having Ds. Oh, uh, no. which was just devastating her, her little, you know, yeah. not only her heart, but her esteem and everything. Um, we had to answer that with, hey, let's bring in some kids that are struggling virtually, some parents that are not able to give them that all the help they need with their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And we've opened up a tutoring, still very, you know, wearing masks, very social distancing, uh, limited, but opened up free tutoring, and we have college kids that come up here and just help them. They bring their laptops, they bring their work, and just helping them stay uh, catch up and and you know stay where they need to be and take some of that burden off the parents that just can't carry it. Wow! So y'all have actually kind of branched out. Then you're not just doing food and shoes. You're, I mean, basically counseling parents and tutoring and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Knowing that that moms, you know, it was such a discouraging and disheartening time through this phase, uh, what we call lunch break lives and and doing um, some little ten minute encouragement every week. So hasn't it felt lonely? Yeah. To, you know, to so many people, 
And we couldn't go to their houses. We couldn't invite 200 women in all at once or whatever it was, but we could be on on Facebook together and say, hey, we got your back. We're with you. And here's an encouraging word. You know, mm-hmm. you can do everything, but at least you can let people know they're not, a, you know, alone when they're alone. <laughs> right. And honestly, I think that means a lot to people right now. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we've we've definitely, um, of course, we want to help relieve, uh, you know, as many economic burdens for our kids as we can. But also, yeah, remembering kids don't stop aging. They don't just because of COVID. They don't stop growing. They, you know, um, they've still got a future. They've still got a destiny to get to. So mm-hmm. we got to. You continue to concentrate on that, helping them find their place through all this um, crazy other things that are going on. You know, help the kids reach for that potential. That doesn't stop. That shouldn't stop. That can't stop. Keep developing their leadership and their character. That's going to keep them there. We've got to, you know, continue to stay on top of that. Um, like I said, you can't put a kid on a shelf and say, hey, next year's going right. to be better for us. Right. And, and, you yeah. know, we'll reach out to you then. No, they could already be on a crime stat. They could already be making decisions or like this young lady, her grades already slipping. Um, you you got to, you know, work around it, re, restructure it if you got to. But, you know, like many of us, and I know we're just a piece of the puzzle, but we all got to say, well, we got to keep going. Let's just see how it's going to look different. Well, you know, you always hear that saying, uh, it takes a village to raise a kid. And I'm like, yeah. you guys are the village. Yes. It, yeah. But thank goodness. Uh, yeah. that I'd hate to see. I don't want to do it by myself. And I'd hate to see um, struggling parents, single mothers, whatever that is, feel like they're having to do this all by themselves. Yeah. How many kids are involved in your in youth world, would you say? Um, hundreds upon hundreds. In, in, in a norm, you know, when we have a normal time when kids can come in, mm-hmm. uh, like, for instance, you know, in the normal summers, uh, approximately 400 kids a day are fed breakfast and lunch here. Uh, a hot meal, and being mentored and, you know, um, given uh, uh, different programs and that thing to expand. Um, And so, yeah, it's it's hundreds of hundreds that are, uh, that come in and find refuge, find safety, and find their needs met Um, while we're mentoring, while we're helping with their you know, helping them find their destiny. We just had a, a um, exciting thing happen, even in the midst of COVID. Ooh. Um, we had um, the Mavs came over and <gasps> totally revamped our library, which, you know, we've read uh, 50,000 books in our library. It was a fine library, but Rebecca, they came in and revamped it. And now it's this awesome reading and learning Center where there's a steam cabinet, um, ebooks, uh, laptops, and just and it's just an inspiration atmosphere. Where so, and steel books, where so many more you know kids will be able to come in and just expand their horizons. I'm so excited about it. 
Okay, um, just to clarify, you said the Mavs, as in the Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks, yes. How did you guys get hooked up with them? How did they find out about you to come and revamp your library? Oh, well, they're just, you know, they're a beautiful organization. They are. You know. Yes. Um, and so, um, yeah, we reached out, you know, in 2015, they came and gave us a gym, a Dallas Mavs gym. Really? I did um, not know that. Yeah. That, you know, it's just still, it's just forever going to be impacting kids. And it's just, you know, um, it's just a drawing card for teens and everything, too. Um, but, yeah, so this year, our, pro, you know, pre-corona, uh, mm-hmm. um, we reached out to them and asked them for help with our um, our library. And what I told them was, I want a fifth and sixth grader boy to to stand at the door and say, I want to go in there instead of ah books. Um, and and they said yes, and they came out and just had others, you know, sponsors and partners with them, and they just did a super beautiful job wow um and the kids yeah their minds are just gonna be we got a um um, a green screen i mean they just did a beautiful job are kids allowed to use it because i know the covid protocol and all that kind of stuff i know right um well so last week we did a a virtual ribbon cutting oh that's great Um, yeah and um they seth curry was a part of that um so yeah I I wish it hadn't been COVID and we could, ha- you know, have all been in person, mm-hmm. but praise God, you know, at least they, they had every reason to say, you know what, we can't do this right now, but they didn't, they made it happen anyway. Wow. That's um, amazing. And yeah, so, you know, maybe we'll celebrate more later when we can all be together, but yeah, it was beautiful. And we had some kids in just cause we couldn't help ourselves. We had some kids in to take a look, you mm-hmm. know, and, and play, um, we'll be able to do the kids that we're tutoring and I'm looking forward to when we can get, you know, um, all the kids back in and, and experience this, but yeah, we can't, we can't help ourselves. We've got to use it. That is so awesome. I'm excited for you guys. That's fantastic. And I know that you have some things that are coming up. You're doing something for Thanksgiving. Oh, absolutely. We've, we've got, um, Thanksgiving we'll have, uh, for sure. Um, we we want to make sure we do uh, at least 350 families, but more if we can. That will drive, and again, it will be a drive-through. But they'll come through. They have to be. They have, you know, it's an invitation. They're they're coming up and enrolling and getting an invitation card to get in um, because the need's so great. You know, I mean, you could be here, you know, till midnight trying mm-hmm. to if you had all the resources. But they're going to come in, uh, come through, and they'll. We want them to get a big bag of groceries, and this is primarily holiday um, items, you know, to make sure that they can have a Thanksgiving in their own home mm. um, that these kids can enjoy. So, it, you know, it's it's the things that would make a big holiday, plus some other things. But there's a list of things we want to put in the grocery bag. They'll get a turkey. Uh, they'll get a, a produce. Um and some dairy items and, and things that we can give the family so they can go home and, and have their holiday meal in the safety of their home, in the dignity of their home. Uh, so, yeah, we're really excited about that. We're going to be having that drive-through on November um, 
let me look at the date for sure so I don't lie to you. <laughs> uh, November 21st okay. is on a Saturday morning okay. when the... Uh, That's the so Saturday yeah. before Thanksgiving, right? Right. Yeah. They'll have time to thaw out their turkey, whatever they're going to do. Perfect. Uh, and make sure that they're covered. And what we're, we're just asking people that have a heart for that, you know, we need... Um, we need donations for that to buy the groceries and the, the turkeys, but also some families that, you know, are saying, hey, we want to actually go buy the grocery items and they can contact us and get a list of what goes in the grocery sack if they would rather do that. But, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to blessing these kids um, with their own holiday groceries uh, for Thanksgiving. Um, we also are, we always do a Christmas toy store. Um, we get donated toys and then plus we, uh, Santa Helper helps us some. And, and we figured out a way to do that um, and, and keep everybody safe. Mm-hmm. So on December 19th, which is also a Saturday morning, we're going to have families, uh, again, registered families that, um, that drive. Uh, drive up their kids will get out of the car they're going to go through our auditorium and get in a coat they're going to go through our Mavs gym where it'll be set up as a toy store oh wow and they'll get to choose their toys <sighs> and then they'll meet up on the other side while the parents are you know driving around the the building and then we'll put them back in the car and the parents will get some grocery items as well uh, that way we don't just have to toss a toy in the car and say, I hope you wanted this. They can actually come in, still be safe, uh-huh. have their little mask on, stay social distant, um, gather their, you know, pick out their own toy um, and and have Christmas. And, Rebecca, these would be kids that may not be having Christmas otherwise. Right. Um, so you can't say no. You of can't, course not. You just got to make it happen. So with that, um, you know, we're just asking anybody that wants to get involved in in helping with Christmas, um, you know, they want to either donate toward it or they want to actually go buy toys. Mm-hmm. We do, we try to get ages 3 to 15, um, you know, covered. Mm-hmm. And then for both of those, we always welcome volunteers. If somebody, uh, you know, if there's families that do feel safe and secure wearing their mask, wearing their gloves, whatever, you know, to come out and they want to help distribute, we welcome them to do that. Um, but I'm guessing so, you can sign up to volunteer at youthworld.org. Yeah, yeah, they can go on our website okay. and and sign up to volunteer. I know it's hard right now uh, to actually find places to serve. Your heart wants to, you know, to serve, but yeah. it, it's it's hard with the COVID. It's it shut a lot of things down. Uh, but we found a way that we can still keep everybody safe and and have you know have them serve. Um, um, so yeah, I'm I'm real excited about the holidays. At first, I was thinking, oh my gosh, surely we won't be dealing with COVID when holidays come. What is that going to look like? I know. I think we all thought that, but unfortunately, it doesn't look gosh. like it's going anywhere anytime soon. No. Uh, so we just had to get excited about it, doing it a different way. And, you know, really, the real excitement is not what we're doing, how we're doing it. The the method, the real excitement is seeing the kids' faces and yes. knowing that you you help 
um, make their little holiday, um, even have a holiday or make it brighter, make Mm -hmm. it happier. Um, That's the real. It doesn't matter how you do it, just as long as you get up and do it. Absolutely. You are so right about that. And you you guys also have something going on on December 31st. You guys are going to be busy this holiday season. Well, we have a a very critical need, and it's been going on, and and COVID's kind of, I want to say kind of choked it, but I just had to say, no, we've got to make this happen. And here's the problem uh, that we're having, Rebecca, is um, we, we are out of space. Oh, wow. We, we have to turn kids away. <gasps> um, and it just, we've had to eliminate ages. We've had to start wait lists. Um, and this is, you know, when in a normal world, you know, when we can have all the kids in, mm-hmm. uh, we couldn't get them all in. I was telling you earlier, you know, we, we get 400 and we're about maxed out with what we have. And last summer, a 14-year-old girl looked me right in the eye and said, but Miss Darla, I have no place else to go. Oh, my goodness. Like, you know, stab me in the heart right now. Oh. Um, but, yeah, and Lana said before, these kids can't wait. You can't tell a 14-year-old girl, well, just wait till we can get more, you know. Right. Because she, she's going to turn 15 ready or not. She's going to be getting into something, making decisions, life decisions, ready or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we we must break ground and make room for more. And we had started uh, right before COVID. We had start had plans. Went to the city. We had plans to do an expansion, a 1.4, so there's room for more expansion project. And I've had to kind of put it on hold. We're all ready to go, you know, except for the finance. We got, like I said, the plans and everything, right? Which will allow us to do so much more. It'll have a, a commercial kitchen. It'll have. Um, space uh, that we're able to, you know, when we have to, right now we have to turn away um, food items that our family needs, Mm -hmm. chickens and things. It'll Mm -hmm. have that space, but more than all that, it'll have room that we can get our young teens in here and help them to develop into the leaders that they, I know they are. And so what we've done is uh, even though, yeah, we're still dealing with COVID and election and all the crazy things, uh, we've put out a challenge, and the challenge is uh, by we're looking for two two hundred uh, groundbreaking people that will commit to twenty five hundred dollars by December thirty first, and that will allow us to break ground and get this going and and. And it's it's just got to happen. We can't keep turning away uh, kids and then griping about how much trouble teens get into or the crime right. or the murders. We just can't keep doing it. Um, we've got to make this happen. So, yes, that's the challenge that we've put out for groundbreaking partners by December 31st if they would commit to 2500 And some, you know, may say, ah, 2500 you know. We'll gather some other friends and say, let's do this together or whatever it takes or go to your company or whatever. But it it's going to change lives and it's not a one time. It's going to impact our children, our community ongoing a uh, year after year. Mm-hmm. 
so I'm very, if you can tell, I'm very passionate about it, and it's just so critical. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't see waiting. Right. No, I mean, and that's what I love about, I love your passion because you, you put your heart and soul into this organization and you help make it what it is today. Um, Well, I'm so, I'm so thankful for people that'll come alongside. If we can rally all together, it's incredible things we can do. Uh, And that's just what I, I believe. I know there's good people. And when they, when they know that there's a need that they'll step up and say, let's do this. For sure. And no doubt people hearing you talk this morning are going to step up to the plate. So 200 people to commit to $2,500 by December 31st. And before I let you go, is there anything else that we need to mention? Oh, well, Rebecca, you know me. Youth World's my passion. I could just I know, talk girl. Uh, forever. I know. And I'd let you if we had time. Uh, but but I just thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to share our heart and our passion uh, with all your beautiful listeners. I, I'm so appreciative to to you giving me the opportunity. Thank you again for spending, you know, 30 minutes to come hang out with me for a little bit today. Youthworld.org. If you want to volunteer or help out, everything you need to know is right there at youthworld.org. Thank you, Darla. And you have a wonderful day today, okay? Thank you, Rebecca. You too. God bless. God bless you too. Once again, I am Rebecca Black with 98.7 K-Love. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations doing great things in our community right here on Better Living. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.